Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, March the 24th, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Thursday, and uh, thank you for joining us here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We have got a loaded show today. It is going to be tons of basketball today, specifically talking about the NCAA tournament, even more specifically, talking about Arizona's place in the Sweet 16 tonight as they take on the Houston Cougars in San Antonio. Tip-off set for 6.59 p.m. I'm guessing it'll probably realistically tip off probably about 7.06, 7.07, something like that. There'll be a slide, and they'll try to squeeze in as as uh, as much time, uh, you know, a much buffer time because there'll be games going on before them that have pushed it back a little bit, so. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the focus will be on that today, but we'll also talk about some of the other sweet 16 matchups that are, uh, that are going to be going on today on this Thursday, as there are three other games besides what the Wildcats and the Cougars are doing. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk some NBA as the Phoenix Suns, man, I, I, I can't even like what a game yesterday against the Minnesota Timberwolves that, that game had everything, including a DeAndre Ayton three-point field goal. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that had a little bit of everything. Devin Booker getting fired up. Carl Anthony Towns throwing elbows at people. Uh, I, I mean, it was – that was a – that looked like a playoff game. Like, that had everything in it, man. That thing was – that game was intense. That game was real intense. And uh, DeAndre Ayton, 35 points in the game 14 rebounds three assists two steals a block shot I mean he had he had everything he dominated Carl Anthony Towns in that game um so much so that Carl Anthony Towns had basically had enough of it and decided to start fighting with people Jay Crowder throwing elbows at people uh you know it 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 got out of hand and uh the Suns able to come away with a victory on the road after just playing like hot garbage in the first half and I mean real hot garbage. They have 64 points in Minnesota. Minnesota's a good offensive team, but 64 points in the in the half to uh, Minnesota is um, uh, yeah, that's inexcusable. But they found a way to come back and win 42 points in the fourth quarter for the Suns. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. If you did not see that game or were not paying attention or didn't see some of the highlights, and, and you know, if, if you're somebody who just goes to like, I don't know, let's say like ESPN.com uh, you know, the the mothership's website there to, to get your information. You would not even find it, not only on their lead headline page, talking about the best team in the NBA, far and away the best team in the NBA, having a gut check win on the road against another playoff team in a game where there were fights, uh, elbows being thrown, trash talk going, you know, back and forth. You would not find it on their lead headlines. And even if you clicked on the NBA tab, you wouldn't even know what the score of the game was because all they give a rip about is talking about the Los Angeles Lakers or Kyrie Irving or whatever else hell is going on with the other ninth or eighth place team in whatever conference they happen to play in. So, um, yeah, so, I, I you know, if, if Suns fans are looking for that, make sure you, you dig deep to go find it. 
because um, you won't find it anywhere on the headlines. <sighs> I digress. <clears throat> I'm a little irritated this morning. I just I, that that kind of stuff just bothers me. You know, the Suns don't get covered at all by the national media. Once again, it's it's you know I I know I I talk to I talk to fans from across the country all the time. I mean, people that you know either live in other places or have come here from other places, and they think that that after living here that Arizonans or Phoenicians or whatever from you know whether it be you know Phoenix or Tucson for that matter uh that we're just a bunch of whiny babies you know oh, nobody pays attention to us blah, blah. it's true <laughs> like like at some point that that you know that particular feeling like that that uh you know feeling of being disrespected and ignored is absolutely true and you know no better uh example of that then this morning go to espn.com and i'm like oh i wonder what espn had to write about last night's game nothing no, nothing <laughs> like not even a story probably didn't even send anybody to minnesota didn't even, didn't even pick up the ap wire to pick up a story on it don't care so uh once again the the bias against arizona sports for whatever reason whatever reason uh that's that's the case and uh, you know and i'll start with the press conference yesterday uh, in San Antonio, there were, I thought it was, uh, I think I think it was our own Justin Spears that tweeted it out. And it was, it was perfectly well-placed tweet. It said, questions at today's press conference. Three in French, two regarding Benedict Matherin's alleged touching of, an, of a cheerleader, which I'm not even going to get into because I've seen the video. I've seen the front end of the video. I've seen the back end of the video. He didn't make contact with that girl, period, end of story. <laughs> but he was asked twice about it yesterday. Dave Hickey had to put out a, a press re- a, a, you know, a, basically a statement on it because people have been hounding the, the department uh, and the university and calling them out, whether it be on social media or whatever have you in the news. It's, it's absurd. Um, not that... If it did happen, obviously there's something that needs to be done about it, but it didn't happen. So it, it, everybody just needs to move on from this. <laughs> if, if you think that he actually touched that, touched that girl on her chest and she made no reaction whatsoever, then either she's a cyborg <laughs> or I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you can, it's, even when I saw the video, like the front, like the front video of it, like the one that's, that's the one that's being circulated, the one that was on TV. Like it's like, oh, it, it looks like it's close, but she didn't react to it, so he must not have touched her. Like it's it just you know one of those weird things. Like you see those things on the internet all the time. They're like, where did this per- this person just completely disappears? Like there's a person standing there talking, and there's a group of people, and all of a sudden that person just vanishes. The camera eye does not tell us everything that our that our naked eye does. Our naked eye is so much more vivid and detailed than a camera eye can ever be. Cameras can capture wonderful pictures and colors and things like that. They cannot give us the detail, the depth, uh everything that that the naked eye can. So, you know, those 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 videos where people just vanish into thin air, they don't vanish into thin air. That's impossible. Okay? It's because the camera essentially isn't smart enough to determine that that person moved behind another person. Our eye would tell us if we were there, we would see that person. We see things on a completely different scope with the naked eye. So, the, you know, the, the almost optical illusion of Benedict Matherin walking off the floor 
and tapping a cheerleader on her breast, which is, I, I mean, I, it, first of all, if if that were the case, if I if I really thought, I honestly, if I really thought that that were the case, if I honestly, genuinely thought that he touched her, I would be, I would be incensed right now. Like I would be, and I would have been all week long. But I haven't talked about it because I just figured, like, okay, well, everybody's seen the video slash videos. There's the other one, the the fan video from the opposite side of the floor that clearly shows that he never made contact with that girl. But I just I just figured it was a it was a non like a non issue. And then I'm getting text messages yesterday. I'm at the at the at the the Giants baseball game. I'm announcing the Giants baseball game. I'm getting text messages like you wouldn't believe what's going on at the press conference right now. I'm like what? <laughs> like people are asking asking questions in French. I'm like okay, well that's understandable because Benedict and and Christian they speak French. They're from French speaking countries. And they're asking about Benedict touching the cheerleader. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They're like, no, Dave Hickey put out a statement. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh God. Uh, Again, it's just another distraction that the media tries to drum up, and uh, unfortunately, Arizona's going to have to take the brunt of that right now. But it's all those, you know, all, all, all the pieces of a recipe that make a team better, that build character, that make you stronger, that make you more galvanized. And I hope that the coaching staff and the players are able to recognize that and able to apply it to a more galvanizing situation for them to become closer brothers, become a, a tighter-knit group, uh, because that will serve them serve them well uh, throughout the remainder of this tournament, however long it happens to last, whether it's the final f- 40 minutes of their season tonight or whether they go all the way through without losing a game again until the 2022 calendar has changed over the, you know, the, the, the basketball season calendar has changed. So <clears throat> we'll see. But I do have... Uh, a preview of tonight's game. I'll give you uh, my three keys to an Arizona victory that I that I think are the three most important things that Arizona can do tonight in order to get a victory. Let this be known. All right, this this Houston being a five seed. First of all, when I saw that Houston got a five seed, I thought, oh my goodness, how ridiculous! Like how underseeded is that team? They got put in the South, which is you know, which was great for them because they get to play basically at home. They're just a, a couple hundred miles from home uh, by being placed in the South region. So at least the NCAA did them right by that. But this is a this is an a, a, an elite basketball team. They make no mistake about it. I don't know if if they're being, I guess, not disrespected, but if if their value if they're being devalued because they're lo- you know they lost their best player. Um, if you know if that's the case. Or what the situation is. You look at their resume. They didn't play a whole lot of great teams. Um, they lost to Memphis a couple of times. Hey, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a team just has a matchup against you that you just can't beat. It's just, there's, you know, it's it's a bugaboo that you can't get over. Well, I mean, they did. They beat them by, what, 14 or 15 in the AAC tournament. So they got their revenge back when it mattered most, when they needed to, in a tournament, an elimination tournament. So, um, this team, you know, could have easily been a three seed in in the NC in this NCAA tournament, and are probably better than well the three seeds that are at home watching this tournament now. Um, so this is this is an elite basketball team. Arizona is going to face the gauntlet not only tonight, but this is a gauntlet that they're going to have to go through. We knew the South region was going to be difficult. 
if you if you look at the statisticians, the uh, the analysts uh, that that put the you know these different uh, websites together that use computers and and things like that and and metrics to analyze how a team's performance is, and if you just go off of what the the people in Vegas and and honestly you can go right straight to that source because like i always say just follow the money you want to see you know the reason why something is what it is just follow the money they build billion dollar hotels in a town that is based on essentially not bamboozling people but getting people to wager their money against somebody who's more informed somebody who's you know sports sports gambling is this that's the way it works so if you ask, if you pool all those people together, they would consider Arizona's run to the Final Four the most difficult of the of the four teams, the four one seeds. And it's not a slight to Arizona; they were the number two overall seed, and a lot of people felt. And this is not just people here locally; people all across the country felt that Arizona was the best team in the country this year going into this tournament. It's not a slight on Arizona; it's not saying, well, they're a weak one seed. It shows you how strong the South region really was. When the when the brackets came out, I I kind of you know I looked through I looked through all of them. And I was like, okay, you know, first of all, focus on the South. The South is ridiculously difficult. Um, I thought Michigan, and, and like I've said it all along. I said it before the tournament began. I like Michigan to make a run in this tournament. I think they're better than what their record and their seeding indicates. And that's being proven true, and we're going to find out even more about them when they play Villanova. I thought that that region was really tough, the South region, and I thought the East region region was really tough. And the East region has had some crazy upsets. I thought Baylor was devalued. They kind of fell asleep at the wheel against North Carolina, who's playing like a juggernaut right now, and ended up losing that game in overtime. UCLA is always difficult, especially with as experienced they are in this tournament. You've got Purdue, who I think is one of the better teams in the country. And then you had Kentucky, who just had a horrible night in the backcourt against a really, really good defensive team in St. Peter's. And I, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, try to say, oh, the St. Peter's team are really good defensively. Nobody, you know, saw that coming from a mile away. No, not a chance. But once you dig into it, as I mentioned the other day, uh, nobody in the country was playing better defense for the last month than St. Peter's. I mean, the statistics tell you that. Now, granted, it was probably their <laughs> competition they were playing against, but nonetheless, defense carries uh, wherever you go. So I always thought from from the get-go that the South and the East were going to be the toughest two regions. The East became a much easier region after day one when Kentucky got knocked out. So uh, I I still believe that the South region is, is the most difficult region to deal with in this tournament, and Arizona's going to have to go through it. And it begins tonight with a really, really good Houston team a team that could be even better. This team was in the Final Four last year. They bring back starters, you know, from that team. They got a transfer uh, to come in, a guy. Now, Taze Moore, I'll tell you what I think about Taze Moore, how, how highly I think of him as a player. We played him at McHale. We played Cal State Bakersfield a couple of years ago at McHale Center. He impressed me so much that I remembered his name. Like, I was always like, oh, Taze Moore is, you know, still at, you know, still at, uh, uh, still at Bakersfield. And when he transferred to Houston, I was like, that's a good get for them. Like he fits, he fits their their profile perfectly. He's six five, 
He's got some length to him. He's incredibly athletic. He's tough. Like uh, he he's he was a really impressive player to me. He impressed me. A player from Cal State Bakersfield. I've remembered for the last two and a half, three years since we played them. Like that's what kind of an impression he made on me that night. And he didn't even have a huge game against Arizona. I just he just jumped off of the court at me. Like I watching him play, I'm like, this kid's smooth. Like this kid's got it. He's a good player. Bakersfield's got themselves a star here. And he's now showing out for one of the best teams in the country in Houston. So that's that tells you right there just how I feel about him. And, the, look, the rest of this roster is really good, too. They're all very similar type players. Um, they all work very, very hard. Kelvin Sampson gets – he's a, he, he's such a tremendous coach. And I know he gets a bad rep because he couldn't put a, a cell phone down uh, a dozen years ago and couldn't stop calling and, and texting recruits. And that's, you know, that's a mistake that he made. Kelvin Sampson is one of the best coaches in the country. He's been coaching for a long time. Long time, and his players love playing for him. Obviously, look at how they celebrated after punching their ticket to the Sweet 16. He ripped his shirt off, and they were going crazy in the locker room. I mean, his, his players obviously love him as hard as a coach as he is on his players. They love playing for him, and this is going to be a test. This is going to be a test for everybody in that Arizona program tonight. It's going to be a test for the coaches who have been trying to prepare a game plan and a scheme for Houston. It is going to be a test on the players, obviously, tonight in a 40-minute physical war against a team like Houston who is just chomping at the bit to beat a one seed. You can just tell. Like you, can, you can see it in their eyes. Like they've wanted a piece of Arizona from day one. You can tell, man. And those are the teams that scare the crap out of me because you just you look at them and they, they, they have no fear. Like they don't care. They've wanted to play you. They're like, we just want to play Arizona. Those are the teams that scare the crap out of you. They, they do for me, at least. Uh, this is going to be one hell of a game tonight. And uh, we'll start breaking it down here for you coming up after the break because there's a lot to get into here. This is, you know, this is TCU on steroids, essentially. Uh, more athletic, shorter, smaller team than TCU, but uh, incredibly good at the things that they focus on. And they focus on a lot. And we'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Uh, Don't get me wrong. We will be talking some NFL today because as I, as predicted yesterday, the Tyreek Hill trade went down about, I think it was about 40 minutes after I signed off the air. Massive trade between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about that when we talk some NFL in hour number two. So let's start with, let's let's start by breaking down what what Houston does here. Like what what kind of a team Houston is. We if you, you know, if you've been reading the reports and things like that and reading the stories or if you're on Twitter or even if you just watch the games and you're somebody who trusts their own eyeballs like I do uh, when you watch the teams play, you you can kind of look and see what type of team they are. They are efficient on both ends of the floor. I mean they're a dream. I mean they really are. They're they're efficient on both ends of the floor. They're a top ten offense and top ten defense. One only two teams in the entire country that are top ten in both. Like, they're special, right? They're a team who 
you look at tempo, okay, and I think a lot of times it gets misconstrued. People say, oh, it's one of the slowest teams in the country. It doesn't mean that they're plotting. It just means that they take their time. They choose their spots. They're not a great shooting team. They, they, they're not a bun- it's not a bunch of gifted shooters. It's not like watching, you know, 2000, what was it, 2008 Butler out there that just had five guys on the floor. All of them could shoot 40% from three. Uh, they were all just ridiculous shooters. Like, they're not that team, <laughs> okay? Not, not a bunch of gifted shooters there. That's indi- indicative uh, by their free throw shooting percentage and their three-point shooting percentage, neither of which are very good. Uh, free throws are terrible. They're they're one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country. But what they do is they pick their spots because much like Arizona, they're a high assist team. They're one of the higher assisting teams in the country. In fact, in a in a percentage of their field goals made, they assist on fifty nine percent of them, which is twenty second in the country, which is nowhere near as good as Arizona is, which is sixty five percent number two in the entire country, but still pretty darn good. Like they're a high assist team. So. In their offense, they like to run a lot of half court, but they don't like they're a problem team. They're kind of like when you watch Dana Altman in Oregon. They, you know, Dana Altman in Oregon, their their tempo numbers, their adjusted tempo numbers, are are low. Essentially, they're, they're one of the slower teams in the country. But that doesn't mean that they don't work the hell out of you on defense because they're continuing motion on offense. They work and they work and they work. And they make you expend a lot of energy on defense until they find that chink in the armor. Somebody slows down. Somebody loses an assignment. There's not communication going on. A switch goes bad. You go over over a screen instead of under a screen. Whatever you know, whatever the case may be, they wait for the defense to make a mistake, get tired, and then they attack. Okay, it's not. They're not a slow team. They're just more deliberate about what they do, and they make sure that the defense is putting in work. So they want to make sure that the defense, uh, your your team is playing twenty seconds of defense as opposed to nine or ten. Okay, so they they like to work. They they work things out. They are a, a deliberate team in that sense, but they are not a slow team by any stretch of the imagination. So don't be surprised if you see that team running tonight. Like oh, I thought this team was slow. Huh? <laughs> no, trust me. They love transit. They love the transition game. They don't mind that at all. They'll get out in transition. In fact, they're 12th in the country in steals this year. A lot of fast break points out of Houston. They're a really good basketball team. They play a tremendous style of basketball that is tough to play against because they play with maximum effort at both ends of the floor. And even after the set is over, when a shot goes up, okay, um, essentially you know, the possession is over, the ball is up, it's free ball now when it goes in, there's points if it doesn't go in it's a fight for the for the possession of the ball they don't take any time off like that that's you can argue that when the ball goes up that is their time to shine that is when they work hardest is when the ball goes up and that is so difficult to 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 coach against because a lot of times in situations where you have a group of players the ball is up you, you start ball watching or whatever or you're thinking about how you're going to run out on offense, and that's where Arizona has gotten into trouble in some instances, and I'll, I'll talk about that during my three keys. But essentially getting it worked into this team's head that your hardest, the, the, the time where you have to work the hardest is when nobody is in possession of the basketball. That is, that is a special art to be able to coach. And I know it sounds like I'm just fluffing the hell out of Houston. They are a very good basketball team. I've watched – 
Um, so I watched several of their games this year and was impressed by them. They, uh, you know, they, they have a tendency to really just blow teams out a lot the same way that Arizona has done all season long. Um, you know, they don't make a, a million mistakes. They are undersized, and they make up for it. I mean, listen, they're they're one of the, they're one of the smaller teams in the in the tournament, right? They're I think they're they're ninety ninth or a hundred and ninth or something like that in the country in average height, but in the tournament they're like going into the tournament. I think they were like the forty first or the fortieth tallest team in the tournament. So they're not they're not tall. However, uh, statistically, oops, I hit the wrong button there. Statistically, where were their block shots? Their block shots were really high, actually. Total blocks, they were eighth in the country in block shots. So it, it, like, it's not like their size keeps them from doing things. <laughs> they work hard. It's a hardworking team. Kelvin Sampson is a tremendous coach, and it should not be forgotten. So Arizona's going to have to work their ass off if they want to earn this victory, and they will earn it if they come out ahead. It will be a, a well-deserved celebration for the Wildcats, as short as it may be, because they got to prepare for either Michigan or Villanova after that. Congratulations. But this is going to be a war. How? What kind of a war? How does Arizona win the war? My three keys to an Arizona victory next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. We're getting ready to uh, roll out for you three keys to an Arizona victory. Three things that I just think are, are of the utmost importance in this particular game. Let's begin with number one, the obvious. Bring the Windex. You got to clean that glass tonight, boys. You got to get out there. You've got to send four to the glass. If you can be, you know, really good at sealing off your man, you may be able to get away with three. But they're going to Houston's going to send four every time. That's what they do. They send four. They leave one. That's 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 their that's their recipe. Houston's rebounding prowess is no secret. So I, I there's no reason trying to overthink this, right? The you know the cats. Less than stellar rebounding percentages this season. Let's let's call it that. I think they can be attributed to three things. Number one, effort. Okay, rebounding has has been, is, and will always be a want to stat, meaning that you have to want to do it. If you want to put a new another mark in the box score, you have to want to do it in the in the realm of rebounding. Assists and points are predicated on other things, block shots a lot of times by the opposing team's mistakes. Rebounds are 100% want to, unless the one just falls in your lap off a free throw miss, whatever, that's, that happens. But for the most part, 90% of rebounding is all want to. Throughout this season, several players have neglected to show the want to that we were used to seeing under Sean Miller. That is going to have to change. There, another thing that can attribute to Arizona's lack of rebounding percentage this year has been their style of play. You know, Arizona's pressure cooker is fueled by the ever-present threat that they can run out on a 3-1 fast break for an easy dunk at any moment. This is because the guards are bailing once the ball goes up, leaving essentially the front court to fend for themselves. 
So a lot of times, you know, that front court is outmanned. They're they're obviously taller than most, but when you're going trying to rebound two against four, makes things really difficult. Especially when those are you know real scrappy, coming after the you know, going after your hands and things like that. And this is going to happen in this you know in these particular games. So style of play has played into Arizona's lack of rebounding. You know, in the Sean Miller era. You know, we were used to being a top 20 team every single year in rebounding percentage, every year. I mean, that's, I think they were outside the top 20 once um, in the 12 years of the Sean Miller era because it was important to Sean that everybody go to the glass and rebound. There were, you know, they'll get transition buckets here and there. They're, they're not, their offense isn't predicated on it, okay? This particular iteration of Arizona under Tommy Lloyd likes to put pressure on teams by the ever-imposing threat of a runout, and it has served them well, obviously. 33 and 3 this season, right? The other factor, and let's be honest here, it's been competitive games or a lack thereof. Let's be real here. The Wildcats have played in realistically about 14, maybe 15 competitive games this season. And here's the thing about all of those, okay? I went back and I looked at those 14 or 15 games that I would consider competitive, games that were. Uh, you know, close either that they lost. Obviously, those were competitive games because they were trying to fight and win throughout, you know, throughout the course of that game. Other games, you know, games that were decided by 10 or 12 points or games that I just remember being close and competitive, you know, for uh, for a considerable amount of time down the stretch, especially in the second half, right? They've been in about 14, maybe 15 of those. You know, one of them is kind of like, eh, I don't know. They've out-rebounded their opponent in all but three of those games. So let's say, if, even if there was 15, okay, let's, let's bump it up to 15. Let's, let's say that the one that I'm kind of on the fence about, if it was competitive or not, let's just go ahead and throw that one in there. So Arizona was in, in the 36 games this year, 15 of them I would consider competitive games. They've out-rebounded their opponent in three of those 15 games. The times that they got out-rebounded were against Oregon, the uh, the game that, that Arizona won, that, that war that happened at the McHale Center earlier this year, that Arizona won, I think, 84-81 was the final of the game. Uh, Arizona won the game despite being out-rebounded, I think, by two or three uh, by Oregon. Oregon played harder that game than, I've, than I saw them play all year, that's for sure. And I've never seen Dana Altman coach a, a team as hard as I saw him coach that night. I saw Oregon in the final four. I sat courtside for the final four here in Glendale when Dana Altman was coaching that Oregon team. And he wasn't coaching that team as hard as he coached the team against Arizona and McHale earlier this year. Oregon won the rebounding edge. Arizona won the game. The loss at Colorado. Arizona got out-rebounded, I think, by five or six. That was their biggest discrepancy of of the year as far as rebounding edge. Uh, I remember talking about the the day after. Arizona was gassed. I mean, they they had no legs. They had been playing. They had just played their uh, – they were in the middle of, I think it was a four-game four in 11 days stretch, including travel from Salt Lake to Boulder. They were playing in mile-high air uh, against a team whose focus is to rebound and defend. They got blown out in that game, obviously. We remember that. Uh, but that was one of the games that they got out-rebounded, and the only one that they got out-rebounded that they lost. And, of course, they got out-rebounded the other night against TCU. They lost the rebounding edge by four. Jamie Dixon was quoted as saying – we need to win the rebounding edge by 10 if we want to win this game. They didn't. They out-rebounded Arizona by four and lost the game. So even when Arizona has been in those tight games, they've still out-rebounded their opponent. And, and even in the losses, uh, you know, they've out-rebounded their opponent. And 
it, so they haven't been like, their defensive rebounding percentage. I think is like in, in Ken Palm. I think it's like one ninety eight or something like that. Like it's not it's it's not great. You know, just gonna call it like it is. It's not a, it's not a great number. It's not an admirable number um, if you're Arizona. But again, when your offense is predicated on that run out and pressuring teams that way. Uh, there's a psychological advantage that you gain with that as well. You 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 force the other team to 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 try to contain that because no coach ever wants to give up 15 to 20 points in transition and fast break points. That's th- those are that's a death knell. You give up over 15 fast break points in a game, you're almost guaranteed to lose. Like you just can't give up easy buckets like that. That's just up and down. You you can't do it. You're not going to win a game that way. So that that threat is always present with this Arizona team, which causes opposing coaches and teams to kind of pucker a little bit. And we've seen it. So that's my key number one. Bring the Windex. Got to, got to. I, I know this is, I, everybody's sick of hearing about this, how good of a rebounding team Houston is. It can't be denied. It's not a secret. I don't care about, you know, let's try to find something else other than the rebounding. No, no, no. That's the number one key to the game. You, you've, you've got to clean the glass. Number two, you got to protect the rock. And I know, again, this is obvious, but, folks, these are deficiencies that Arizona has had throughout the season that Houston has capitalized on all season long. Houston is 12th in the country in steals. We all know Arizona's had problems with turnovers. They have, how many have they got in this tournament alone? 37 in two games? 20 in 17, right? 20 against Wright State, 17 the other night against TCU in an overtime game. 37 turnovers. That's a lot. 18 and a half a game. That's way too many. We already know the Cougars are going to get second-chance opportunities because of their focus on offensive rebounding. If you think you're going to shut down Houston on the offensive glass, you're, you're fooling yourself. You can, do, you can do great things by keeping them under their average, which teams that have beaten them have done. You know, they've, when, when Houston has lost games, they've been out-rebounded on the offensive glass. That's, that's when they lose. They lost to... Uh, the the only game that they that they lost this year where they out rebounded their team was Alabama. Alabama's in a, a an enigma anyway, so I just throw any kind of Alabama matchup out. <laughs> we don't know what Alabama is, but we know the Cougs are going to get their second chance points because of their focus on offensive rebound. But you can't allow a situation where Houston is going to end tonight's game with twenty more field goal attempts than Arizona. You, you just, I mean. You sometimes you look at like these Houston box scores, and you look at the you know they, they were they were twenty of seventy one from the field, which is a, you know a horrible number, obviously. But I'm just throwing that out there. The team was twenty of seventy one. Houston was from the field. The opposing team was twenty one of fifty two. They shot a lot better, and Houston won the game by eighteen points. <laughs> they shot the ball twenty more times than the opponent. Like you can't you can't allow that. Houston is going to get their second-chance opportunities because they rebound so well. You can live with those. What you can't live with is turning the ball over and having a minus eight in turnover margin. You cannot turn the ball over, but that's what they're going to do. They're 12th in the country in steals. They're going to try to do that. Houston knows they can't shoot. What do they need? They need more attempts. So they're going to try to volume score you, right? The way they do that is by crashing the offensive glass and creating steals. The way Arizona can counteract that, you got to make a decision. I mean, you, you just you have to make better decisions. Play with fundamentals, and for God's sakes, don't play for style points. Teams that play for style points in the tournament get beat, and they get beat big time. 
and we've seen Arizona Arizona teams in the past. Arizona teams that have had a lot of swagger, playing with playing with style, right? We've seen them get crushed by teams like Houston. We've seen it before. And I'm not saying that this is a comparison of this Arizona. You can't compare you can't compare this team to last year's team. You can, definitely can't compare this year to a, to a team from 10 years ago, the team that lost to Oklahoma, the team that lost to uh, you know, North Carolina. Back at the, You can't compare it to any of those, right? But what I can compare it to is teams that go in and think that they're just going to throw lobs all day long and all this other stuff. You play a team that's buttoned up like Houston, you get smacked in the mouth. Like there's just there's no end to that. So play with fundamentals. There will be if trust me. If you play with fundamentals, the flashy plays will come. There'll be plenty of opportunities for lobs because you have a center that is four inches taller than the guy that's going to be guarding him. And how long will the guy that's going to be guarding him be there? Because he's been in foul trouble all season long. Like, they're one of the most fouling teams in the country. They really are. I think they were 260th in the country in total fouls. Like, that's, that's really that's a lot. Like, they commit a lot of fouls. They're aggressive. Finally, for Arizona on offense, less dribbling, more passing. To beat Houston's defense. Houston plays a uh, – it can't be explained other than it's just a wall of defense. They are they – are, Essentially, like, think about it. It's a team that is essentially tied by a rope to one another. When one moves, they all move. It is an absolute wall of defense. It is really difficult to score on Houston. It, you've earned it. You get a bucket on Houston, you've earned it. Okay, and you're you're going to get a bunch of them against. It's, it's basketball. It's the way it works, right? You get a bucket against Houston, you've earned it. Because not only do they play a great wall-style defense where they, you know, contend – uh, shots in the paint, but they're also really good at defending the three-point line, and they're one of the best teams in the country at defending the three-point line. Maybe the best. The other thing is they're going to run at you. If, if they sense that you're hesitating for a moment, they will run two guys at you because they are all about the ball pressure. So if Kirk Risa is caught dribbling or if Benedict Matherin is just kind of caught dribbling or Dale, any, anybody caught dribbling out on the perimeter somewhere – you're going to get company. So you have to react quickly. The way you do that, and we're going to find out a lot about Arizona's basketball IQ tonight. In my opinion, I think that's going to be one of the things that shows and going to be, you know, it's a, it's a thing that's going to tell us whether they win or lose. What is this team's basketball IQ? I don't know if it's really been tested. Maybe against UCLA, but their basketball IQ is going to be tested. Do they say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in, I'm going to dribble, 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 here comes the double, bang, 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 pass, pass, dunk, okay? You have to be able to pass the ball. You can't play ISO against this team. Arizona doesn't play ISO anyways, which is fine. Uh, but if you think you're just going to dribble, drive, and, and work your way around, it's not going to happen. You need to pass. You need to see both sides. You need to reverse the ball. You need to see the opposite side of the defense. Make them work too. This is not... This is not, you know, just a, uh, you know, a, a camping trip for them. Got to make them work. So if Arizona can do those three things, I think they've got a great shot at winning this game. Bring the Windex. You got to clean the glass. Protect the rock. Do not give them second opportunities. Do not give them extra possessions where they can just, just fill up the stat sheet with field goal attempts. They're already going to get enough as it is. And you're going to have to reverse the ball on offense. Less 
less pass, uh, less dribbling, more passing. You get caught dribbling the ball against Houston, you're toast. Like you, they're they're going to steal it. They're going to double team you. They're going to trap you. They're going to put you in positions where you're not comfortable and can't get rid of the ball. And then you're going to make bad decisions. That creates turnovers and that creates fast break points. And then they're running. And you can't you can't have that. So if Arizona can do those three things, I think they got a real good shot at winning this basketball game. I think Arizona's going to win the basketball game anyway because of other things that they've got going for them. But I think those are the three keys to victory. Obviously, there are things in there, you know, feed Coloco and Balo down low. Hopefully, Azulis Dubelis can get, you know, whatever is in his brain right now. Sometimes he gets this way where he's uh, a little unsure of himself. Maybe he's lacking some, some confidence. If he gets his confidence back, he could be a force in this game because there's Look, there's nobody in this tournament that can match up with Azulis Tabellas because of his height and his his strength and his speed. Like as fast as that guy runs, I call him the horse, right? He he just you can't you can't contend with his athleticism, but it's in his own head some of the times. Like he lacks confidence in in, in occasions, and it causes him problems, and it, it it cost him a ton of minutes against TCU. So those are my three keys to an Arizona victory. When we return. We'll talk about what the rest of the nation is saying about Arizona's chances. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment of hour number one here. The Jeff Dean Show coming up in hour number two. We'll talk some NFL. It was a huge trade. Again, this has been the most insane offseason I think I've ever seen. And we've seen two of the top wide receivers in their respective conferences traded this offseason as well from two of the best teams in their conferences. Packers and the Chiefs trade away their number one weapons at wide receiver. There's an interesting philosophy change, uh, you know, between uh, between GMs right now. Should be a really interesting season, as it always is. I can't wait. I already can't wait. But we'll talk about some NFL. We'll talk some NBA in hour number two as well. What is the national media? What is, you know, people nationally? I don't mean the national media. A lot of times I don't, you know, much care about their predictions, so to speak. So I started looking into uh, some of the Sharps websites and things like that, Sharps betters you know, what is what is happening with, with them. They all believe two things, and this has been the consensus amongst the Sharps and the, the, the websites that essentially, you know, kind of harbor that information, okay? They believe, number one, that Vegas is baiting everyone to bet Arizona minus the one-and-a-half or minus two, that it's a, that it's a bait uh, line, essentially, like, the feeling is is that Vegas believes that Houston will cover, but that everyone will bet Arizona. Which is, I mean, that's how they make their money, right? I talked about it earlier. That's how you build billion-dollar hotels up and down your strip. I mean, that's <laughs> that's how you do it. However, the second sentiment amongst all of these sites, and I mean, I checked six of them this morning. All of them are in agreement that they believe Arizona will cover the one-and-a-half or the two-point spread. Most of them have Arizona winning by four, somewhere around four or five points. And these are, you know, these are where the Sharps go to get their information. This is information that is out there for, you know, for the public, um, not always free. Sometimes you have to pay for this information, and uh, understandably so. But, uh, the, 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 you know, like I said, the consensus is among, amongst the websites that I've 
looked at and the you know some of the places that are that are you know highly trusted and and uh, highly relied upon by a lot of people who make their living off of sports betting all believe those two things that it is a bait bet and that everyone's going to take the bait and that they should so um, if you're if you're looking for that the betting angle again I don't I don't bet Arizona games I just you know it's too emotional for me I mean I can I'm allowed to now obviously uh, but it's just to, for me it's too too emotional I don't uh, <laughs> I don't put money on the team for or against I just don't I don't do it I need to watch with a clear conscience and a clear mind that there's no money on the game at all I don't I don't like doing that so so I will be watching tonight with zero stake in the game other than the fact that I am a diehard fan and will probably have a racing heart and a clenched stomach the entire time that I'm watching. As will over the rest of us. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Just a quick little two-minute turnaround here. Hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show come up, as I mentioned. NFL, NBA, more college basketball, the Sweet 16 tonight and tomorrow. A whole lot more to talk about here. Come on back to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.